Hi everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I have spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Today, the letter is U, and U is for Uranus. So on this first podcast of the new year, we are talking astrology and the intersection that happens with sex and relationships. We'll talk about the role of the planet Uranus in particular in relation to relationships and sex. So joining me to start off the new year is Scarlett Corvina. She's a modern day alchemist of the soul. As a professional astrologer, life coach, and yoga instructor adept in evolutionary and classical astrological techniques, mindfulness coaching, and various traditions of esoteric wisdom, Scarlet facilitates the individualized self-awareness and soulful transformations necessary to achieve desired life accomplishments. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So this is um, this is probably going to be interesting to my listeners because it's one that we've really never approached before, um, and um, and I don't know how much they actually really even know about astrology. I suspect that a lot of people tend to think of astrology as just your sun sign, and of course that is really um, very a crude measure of an astrological picture. It's an introduction. I mean, you know, it, it definitely plays its role, and certainly the sun is um, a crucial, certainly a crucial point to look at in the chart as it denotes, you know, the core personality and the essential self, but there's so much more to look at than that, for sure. So, um, there are a lot of other layers to consider, so definitely want to get deeper into it. Okie dokie. So I mentioned, because it's you, we talked about um, Uranus. So what kind of an impact does this planet have on your life? Uranus is known for being the planet that um, helps us individuate. So um, in finding our own authentic voice and how we want to express ourselves in the world. Um, It's the planet that allows us to step away from some of the collective conditioning or social conditioning that we might have experienced growing up. And it's a point where we begin to find our own, our unique um, connection and expression with our own, our own voice. That's an interesting one to me. I was writing today. um, I've been working on uh, my erotic memoir, which um, will be out sometime in 2020. I mean, I've already finished a first draft, so I'm working on revisions. And one of the things that I was writing about today was um, the places in which we choose, um, how often we're told that, that normality is preferable, that being part of the mainstream is preferable, and how many of us who don't really fit in that group spend many of our early years trying to find ways to pass. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I think a lot of us, um, I mean, in the, and then I think in the beginning, I think I was going to say a lot of us, I think, struggle with that or have experienced some element of that, some stronger than others, depending on how strongly Uranus shows up in your chart. Um, but I would say that, um, you know, at some point, there usually becomes, you know, it usually becomes a signature that's strong enough that 
pushes us to break free of whatever those restrictions might have been. Um, at some point, there, we usually begin to experience a breaking point, a threshold. Again, this, when that can happen, it, it, it's different for different people. Um, like, for example, I think you and I have very strong Uranus in our charts. So we may have experienced that earlier in life that may have just been a mm-hmm. thing that we grew up with feeling. Um, but for others who, you know, Uranus maybe isn't such a strong planet, then they may not experience that push until the natural cyclical um, time when Uranus begins to make, transiting Uranus begins to make aspects with itself in the birth chart. And that tends to happen somewhere within, I think, about the mid-40s. I mean, it's interesting to me because one of the things that I say in, in, in my writing is, is that, you know, you learn to pass. You learn to pass if you can. And not, of course, not everybody can, depending on what their challenges are. You know, not everybody can. Some ethnicities can't be hidden. Races can't be hidden necessarily. But for, for those people who can, you learn to pass. And then there comes a point at which passing is no longer acceptable um, and no longer desired. And, and any benefit that you thought you had from passing disappears. Yeah, it becomes something like, you know, it's no longer worth the sacrifice. Absolutely. And I, again, you know, so we should maybe talk about that Uranus is the natural modern ruler of Aquarius. Um, Classical astrology will, of course, bring in Saturn, but Uranus definitely by evolutionary astrology is considered to be the modern ruler of Aquarius. So people who are Aquarian or who have strong Uranus placements next to their sun or have you, you know, it's like that's something that's just inherent. You know, it becomes like I just need to march by my own drummer i need to experience this and that sacrifice becomes um (laughs) non-negotiable but then uh i think we would also want to pay attention to whether or not uranus is direct or retrograde um for myself i'm I'm a sun sign aquarian um, but my uranus is retrograde and I have a Capricorn ascendant. So you always want to look at the bigger the bigger picture, the whole mm-hmm. time to figure out exactly how that Uranus is integrating. Um, I have strongly felt the impact of Uranus all throughout my life. And though I have tried to maybe tone it down or, you know, I've tried to kind of make it a little bit more agreeable <laughs> with my culture, or with my environment, those impulses to kind of, you know, to, to express, they always sort of found a way to bleed out. Even when I wasn't aware of it, it would just kind of come out. And then at some point you begin to sort of take a step back and realize, wait a second, you know, what am I doing and why am I making these compromises? And um, with that raised self-awareness, we begin to, and that's been something that's been really popular, I think, in um, just in the past few, past seven years. So when Uranus was passing through areas, Aries, we've had this big rush of people kind of coming into this realization of the authentic truth and living your authentic truth. And that was such a huge um, theme for such a long time. So I think that's been another push that we've seen with Uranus. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm not sure how I'm aspected, but I know that this is a, it's a really big issue for me. This is sort of a, a, a ability to be able to speak my truth and speak my mind. Oh, absolutely. Well, interestingly, Lori, <laughs> Uranus falls in your third house, and the third house rules communication and how you think and how you articulate. And 
we're here on your podcast <laughs> right. speaking about some very unorthodox subject matter and right. your Uranus is coming out to deliver that truth and it's conjunct Pluto, which, you know, brings a certain amount of intensity and power to create transformation through you expressing your authenticity. Right. And right. how to communicate that. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but you've got Aquarius on your eighth house of intimacy and sex. And right. again, as we said, Uranus, Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. So you carry that Uranian energy into that area of your life as well. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly, I mean, certainly my relationships haven't been in even remotely conventional. And as anybody who's listened to this show is aware, my relationships are not remotely conventional. So it's, it's always been interesting to me just how much ends up being seen there. I know that um, there were some comments about Saturn at one point and my relationships and, 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 and sort of the attitude being, you, you know, you're going to have to deal with a lot of stuff because of this. Was that for me or just in, just in general? It was just in general. It was general. made. No, you didn't make that comment. Because you do have Saturn in your eighth house and your Saturn yeah. is um, sitting right next to your Venus and anytime you've got two planets sitting next to each other, it's almost as if they, they sort of congeal their energies together and form like this superpower planet kind of thing. But basically what that tells us is that what you desire and the way that you express love and the types of um, relationships that you might involve yourself with, not only would they be, have a tendency to bear some signature of being unorthodox or you, or just a unique expression of who you are. I mean, that there's a, there's a, a gradient of how that might show up, of course, but your style of loving and the types of relationships that you have are paired with Saturn and Saturn brings us another element, another layer of seriousness to that mm-hmm. relationship. So it suggests that, you take these con- you connections seriously, even if it's casual. You don't take them lightly. You look for partners that you can rely on, that you can trust, that you can maybe establish an understood and clear contract about what this sexual or relating dynamic might be because it's um, this is heavy stuff that we're dealing with. You know, this isn't just... And you, and you approach it that way. You give it the right amount of respect. That sounds like me. <laughs> That's very much me. Um, we're going to be going to break in just a minute um, and hear a word from our sponsors. And um, when we come back, we'll talk further about this and we'll talk further about how it, this all impacts the kinds of relationship choices we make. And, and we can use mine as an example, the things, maybe the things you should be looking for, the things I should be avoiding um, those sorts of things, how all all of it kind of intersects. And I'm going to talk a little bit about partners and partner choosing. So we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Are you fed up with reaching outside yourself for an inner solution? The next diet, the next few pounds to lose, the next drink, the next shopping spree. Tune in to Already Enough with host Kelly Backert. You'll hear tips about how to stop endless searching for an outward solution to an inner condition. Get helpful tools about food, body, self-care, stress management, mental health, and how to live your best life. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this week, the letter is U, and U is for Uranus, and I'm talking to the amazing Scarlett Corvina. And before the break, we were talking about um, Uranus and Saturn and transits because we're talking astrology and relationships this week. Um, And I asked the question, is there anything in the chart that tells me how I might make this whole process easier on myself. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, And I also wanted to mention really quick too, um, I gave the general, you know, the general interpretation of how we would look at Uranus when we're just looking at the chart um, without any kind of filter. Right. Of course, it definitely represents individuation. and But you can bring that indiv- individuation aspect into the context of sex and intimacy. And we yep. need to do that. And actually, Saturn, I'm sorry, Saturn, Uranus is one of the planets that we look at specifically, even if, you know, we weren't converting it to look at things in a sexual context, Uranus would still be one of the planets that we look at traditionally. I think lots of people are familiar if they're familiar with astrology at all, they're probably familiar uh, with Mars and Venus. Those are the two most popular. Mm-hmm. And they're absolutely certainly ones that you would consider. But I think perhaps maybe to some people's surprise, we would also look at Uranus. We would look at Pluto, 
We mm-hmm. might consider the moon because we would want to know whether or not people become emotionally attached when we get into that space with them. Um, we might even look at um, Mercury because communication and how we actually articulate ourselves. Some people like a lot of talk, for example, and that leads into intimacy. So really it just sort of depends on the feel of the chart. Um, those are the traditional planets that we would look at. And then we'd also look at any of the rulers of certain areas in the chart. So for example, um, the traditional houses we might look at might be the fifth because that's where we have sex and um, courtship. Like it's, it's a different type of sex. It's the sex that we have like, that's fun and casual, the sex that we have during dating. It's the sex that we have for fun versus the eighth house, which is intimacy and deep relating and the kind of sex that we do that creates a more um, connected soul union. Um, it's the sex that we do that generates procreation. And um, the eighth house, which is also somewhat associated with death, normally ruled by Scorpio. Interestingly, I... Um, I've heard of orgasms being called le petit mort. Yep. Yep. A little death. A little death. Um, And I think that that's very telling about the eighth house because that's where we kind of feel that we merge into a union with another person in that moment. A concept is, you know, in that moment of ecstasy, when we reach that point of climax, everything somewhat dissolves the boundaries between you and another person, our ego sort of... I suppose I look at that and I say, you know, in that moment, that's the moment you have to let go control. Yeah. So, um, so that fits for me. I mean, in the moment of death, you're not in control either. You know, it's, 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 and, and for some people letting go of control is like death. Exactly. Exactly. And so because I would say that, so I think some people look at, you know, wherever Saturn placements might be in the chart as a negative, like, Oh no, you know, wherever Saturn, because, Traditionally, um, the ancients related to it as the great malefic, meaning that it was the planet that brought on delays and obstacles and and hard lessons and frustrations. And yes, those things can be true. Um, and maybe that's what the person was indicating or who, whoever said. Yeah, that. well, they were like, oh, oh God. God. <laughs> yeah. um, Saturn and Venus conjunct in Aquarius was like, you know, not not really the ideal situation as far as they were concerned. Um, and see and I I don't I there's always there's always two sides of a coin I mean there's always the the benefits and the challenges that aspects can bring even positive aspects you know lots of people think you know trines and sextiles are are the the way to go but you know when it's too easy nothing gets done so um, there's always a a push pull with that and with Saturn in your eighth basically that just tells me that you have an awareness of what goes on in the eighth house and how seriously it should be taken, that it's not something that, you know, you're aware of the ramifications that can happen when it's not taken seriously. I, I mean, I, I would say to people that I don't, I don't have casual, even my casual relationships are not casual. Right. Um, and I, and my connections, um, because, because I allow so much of my energy to be, part of any sexual experience for me, you know, no matter what kind that I don't, I mean, I don't tend to, um, to do pickup play. For example, I don't tend to do one night stands, you know, not since I was very young because it's, 
it's dissatisfying for no other reason. I mean, it's not even just that it's not that it's painful or it's hurtful. It's just dissatisfying because there's an element that doesn't, that doesn't get met. So I have, you know, fuck buddies. I have friends that I have sex with over a long period of time. Um, and in that, and then, so there's a very deep connection there, but it isn't like a, Oh, and now we're going to go and live together and get married. So casual. And what you've just said kind of illustrates another, um, another little technique that I've been working on. So I have to say there's, there's, as there's always more than one way to arrive at a conclusion. <laughs> and with astrological techniques, there are quite a few, um, and depending on you know what method you want to use, um, we could have a two-hour conversation about this easily. So I will try to pare it down. But one of the techniques I've been using is looking at derivative houses. And what you just said really, really illustrated that point perfectly because your sun sign is Pisces. Um, so if we're going to look at your sexual house, not only would we look at your actual eighth house and what's in that, which of course we've already talked about, you've got Aquarius on the ascendant, or I'm sorry, on the cusp of that house, you've got Saturn and Venus there, we've, we've touched on that. But just considering the natural order of the zodiac, and then starting at Pisces, counting eight signs away from Pisces brings us to Libra. Libra then ends up being a signature for your eighth house expression and how and what you appreciate about intimacy and sex and that sort of thing. So what you just said about how they're usually partners that I've known for a while, I have some type of connection with them. Yes, Libra prefers to have sex with its partner. So if it's not somebody that they're actually married to or in a committed relationship with, it is usually somebody that they have some type of connection with. It's not just somebody that, you know, maybe they picked up at a bar or something. You know, it's somebody that they, they've known in some kind of way. There's some element of trust there because that Saturn definitely wants that trust there. Um, you are aware of, like, you know, you have other things in your chart that I would say, yeah, you're, you're very emotive. You're very nurturing. You know what you're there to give. So you entering in these types of dynamics, you're going to want to know that your energies are going to be respected and that Libra wants things to be fair. So you want to be upfront about how this arrangement is going to go. So, you know, yeah. So that, you know, that that everyone's on the same page, you know, that it's fair, you know, that it's an understood, um, dynamic and that and you and, and you appreciate charm you know you have you appreciate people who can be charming you appreciate a, a lot of a certain amount of ambiance especially with neptune in your fifth house which is another area that we might look at so we're looking at the first house which is you we're looking at the fifth house which is how you um engage with insects for fun and just what you like to do sexually mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at the eighth house, which takes it to a more serious level and, and in the intimacy. And we're looking at the seventh house of just the types of partners that you attract. Um, and then, of course, you bring in a lot of other of these other little key planets. So there's lots of little elements that we bring in. So um, your first house being um, in cancer reiterates the derivative, the derivative house technique 
where, so we, like we said, we counted eight, ho- eight signs away from Pisces, which led us to Libra. That's your eighth house signature mm-hmm. in addition to what's already on your eighth. Then if we wanted to do the same thing we, with the fifth house, we could do the same. We count five sound signs away, and that brings us to Cancer. So not only do you have Cancer on the Ascendant, but now it's also your fifth house expression of how you like to engage for in sex. Well, okay, so we've got about two minutes before break. Um, we will talk more about this because what I know about cancer very well is that the Cancerians um, um, are uh, bond. They're nurt- They're nurturing. They like to create home-like spaces. Um, and so that is that's that's an interesting one then because if you put that with fifth house as you're saying more casual sex what does that actually end up looking like so that'll be an interesting conversation when we get back after a word from our sponsors and we look forward to hearing from you then don't forget you can either phone in or email in if you've got questions Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit, with great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks. You just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness this is the a to z of sex featuring dr Lori beth bisbee we know you have questions we welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 feeling a bit shy it's okay dr Lori beth loves to read your emails too send them to Lori beth at dr now more of the a to z of sex 
everybody. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this week it is You Is For Uranus. This is segment three, and I am with Scarlett Corvina. And before the break, we were talking about the fifth house. Yes, we were. We were talking about cancer in the fifth house. And what I was saying was that my understanding was that was very much that Cancerians are their their nurturing basis, like to nest and create a home and also there's that, that the kind of but there's also that sort of love of food and and sensation and um the senses and and really being full with the senses so found that interesting to be in a place where you're talking about more casual more fun sex that brings up awful lot of stuff (laughs) yeah so um and of course just to again remind the listeners to be clear we're talking about a method that's called derivative houses so in a sense it's a theoretical interpretation of the chart because what you actually have on your fifth house is Scorpio and you have, Uh, well, and, 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 and and as far as Scorpio and sex is concerned that I understand. Yes. I totally understand. Um, But also interesting. So you then understand too, that this kind of takes away some element of the casual nature of the, in a sense, but it's like you can approach it in a casual sense, but it's but what you want out of it is not casual. Like you still want it to be an intense, powerful connection. But, but so then, but so then the, the casual stuff that I do or have done in the past. I mean, given that I'm I'm I'm, I'm a masochist, and we're talking about BDSM, that is, I mean that makes sense. And the casual stuff I've done has been intense. There's been nothing. You know, it's it's not homely and mellow, and so yes, I can understand that it takes away from the casualness of it. Um, maybe it lowers the intensity a bit. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it's just it's just um, it's just. For example, Scorpio normally rules the eighth, and the eighth is where we like to really feel that, like we said, the the little death. Um, we like to merge with our partner, and so. With the fifth, Scorpio in the fifth, and especially with Neptune retrograde in the fifth, Neptune tends to dissolve and to dissolve boundaries. So when you're there in that space, you're really enjoying um, a a more spiritual element between Mm -hmm. you and your partner and a sense that you and your partner are truly very connected and that it's very intense and meaningful and powerful experience the meaning comes from saturn being in the eighth um as well as scorpio being on the fifth so then i was saying by derivative houses because your sun is pisces if we count five planets five signs away from pisces starting with pisces we end up at cancer and so a lot of the things you were saying about cancer being a nurturer natural nurturers of the zodiac um being very emotive being very sensitive, very feeling-oriented, very intuitive. All of those things are already just going to be a part of your natural expression because it's your ascendant, It is, a, and it's ruling your first house of self. It is very much a part of how you present yourself to the world and even how you carry yourself, your physicality, how you present yourself. A lot of these things can, can have a very um, Cancerian tone. And so it's going to be tricky to see the difference between how you enact in that way 
and then how it also kind of bleeds into your expression in a casual dating context of the fifth house. And I think that one of the ways that it does is that it isn't that it becomes um, less casual. I think that the Cancerian nature overlay of the fifth, it then like your willingness to be casual or not depends on your mood. Basically, uh, absolutely. It depends on how you're feeling at that particular time. That's the overlay that I'm seeing with it being on the fifth. Um, perhaps, you know, you may have a tendency, depending, um, to nurture some of these partners, you know, to just, but then that's a part of your, that's a part of your signature anyway. I mean, you know, with the, with the um, cancer ascendant. So um, that with some, like, those two kind of bleed into each other. So I know that when people think about astrology and stuff, like, again, a lot of people, you know, sort of, they'll read the kind of very general thing. Um, I I also know, like, there are a variety of different blogs that kind of give, you know, sex for the, for whichever, you know, okay, it's January, now we're going to talk about Aquarian sex, or, you know, it's, and relationships and things where they say, like, well, oh, yeah, you get along with a Cancer, but you wouldn't get along with a Leo, and all of these sorts of things. And, and really my experience is, is that just going by that, it's, it, do, it doesn't bear out that to actually read something really general is actually quite problematic. Like you might find one or two things that relate to what you're talking about, but. No, I, I 100% agree with you. And it was one of the, the points that I, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned when we were talking is that, um, you know, whenever you're looking at any particular single piece in a chart, you run the risk of overgeneralizing um, because the chart is really, it's a synthesis of every, every component and, and one, one thing always impacts the other. So it's mm-hmm. very, very difficult to just piecemeal things out like that. We can definitely get strong indicators there are certainly certainly all the signatures that i'm mentioning would be the go-to signatures of how i begin to build the profile but i am looking at the whole chart in you know in consideration of that profile it's kind of like you look at these what single signatures but you're also in the back of your mind you know you're keeping the rest of the chart in context so keeping things in context is a really really big consideration so for example um um, you know, if someone has, let's say, they've got a difficult, a difficult aspect, there's often something else in the chart that they might be able to use to help buffer problems with that aspect. So I would say, you know, you know, one of the worst things I would think is to come out of this with somebody, you know, kind of thinking, oh, well, she said, she said, if they have Pluto, you know, square, you know, their Venus, then you know, just write that person off. Please, please don't do that. <laughs> um, never, you know, kind of just take one one aspect and just run with it. And I think that that's one of the harder things um, to address when you're when you're writing those types of things because you're trying to write for as general a population as possible. Yep. And so you can do that as long as the population understands that it's general <laughs> and that there is so much more um, layers to be, to be understood. And just because that person might say, okay, yeah, Venus, uh, or sorry, Aquarius and Virgo don't get along. They're not sexually compatible. Um, look deeper, 
is what I would say. You know, actually contact an astrologer or do more individual research on your own, but look deeper because there may be other aspects in the chart that contradict just that general overview. And another thing I wanted to point out is that just because the natal chart shows us just what a person is born with, it does not show us what a person has grown through and what they've developed and where they've come today. So again, you know, looking at a person's natal chart, you know, you've got his birth time or her birth time. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're just kind of like digging things out on the internet and picking it up and, and you see certain signatures and you're just like, Oh, well, screw that. You know, I'm not getting involved. Um, again, I would encourage you to try to, you know, maybe get to know the person a little bit more. And if it's, possible if it's if they're open to it to maybe even having an open discussion about some of these concerns because often what we'll find is people may have whether they're aware of astrology or not they've lived their life they've lived with the with the impact of the aspect long enough that they have begun to learn coping mechanisms for it they have worked through it they've become aware of it and they've developed and they've grown and then there's also something to cons- to be considered about transits and progressions which also help evolve us so um i would just those are my only two <laughs> um disclaimers about just you know taking running with the things that we see in the natal chart or looking at one particular segment of it for sure you know look at the greater the greater context that i mean that makes sense to me i know that um Certainly, there, I mean, for to me, for this to be of any value, there there, there would need to be layers. Mm-hmm. You know, there would need to be layers. Um, and how boring would it be if we were so easily read, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We're all such intricate. We're very, very intricate beings. Or it's you know, it, and I feel that astrology mirrors that. So sometimes people, okay, so many people are aware of, you know, sort of general astrology, and then some people are aware of natal charts, and others are aware of comparing your natal chart with a partner's natal chart to see where the positives and negatives might be. But um, um, fewer people talk about transits. So let's talk a bit about what a transit is and, and, and how you progress a chart so that you're actually current and not just looking at where people were at the time of their birth. Okay. Um, transits, when we're looking at transits, we're actually looking at where the planets are right here, right now. So if right. I just jump into my software and, and I pulled up a chart for this very moment, that would be the, the day's transits. And then I can overlay those transits the same way I might overlay another person's chart on someone else's just to look at synastry and compatibility. I can do the same with like the day's transits and just overlay those transits of where the planets are today on top of where the person's planets were when they were born. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically I have like an inner ring and an hour ring and it creates mathematical um, angles, you know, 60 degrees, 180 degrees, you know, these are where we get our understandings of aspects, um, sextiles, oppositions, trines, Mm -hmm all of that, those all are basically mathematical angles that one planet is making to another. Um, And so then by transit, then we can understand what types of relationships the planets are now creating with your birth chart. So what are you receiving from the world or the transits today, from the cosmos today? Is Saturn conjuncting your Venus? Are you having a 
a, a difficult time in your relationship right now? Is this a time where your relationship is being tested by Saturn? Or is this a time where you're feeling like it's time to level up and get to another level of seriousness and commitment in your relationship? Because that would not be a, another possible um, expression of a Saturn conjunction on your Venus. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's one aspect of looking at where we might be in context today. Okay. The way um, would be through looking at secondary progressions um, or solar arc directions. Again, there's so many other, there's so many techniques in astrology, but um, second. So I, think, so I think really what because we're a couple of minutes from break from the last break. But I think really what I want to highlight for people out of this is that actually that there's a lot that you can do to look at far more than um, your where you were at the time of your birth so that you can build in change. So it isn't just the change that you've experienced that you might talk about, but you can see where some um, aspects have changed and some obstacles may have come into play or, or some, you know, fair winds may have come into play to help you along your way. And that to have an awareness of this could really impact. Absolutely. Because in the last segment, I want to talk a little bit more about this. And I want to, like, do, you know, kind of hints and tips for people in terms of relationships and sex, things they want to consider based on this area. Now, I recognize that not everybody believes, but that's fine, right? This is, like, just something to be open to. Okay, well, we'll be, hmm? One of my favorite things about astrology is that it really doesn't require belief. I didn't get into astrology with a solid belief. I had a solid interest. And then I started working with it. I started practicing it. And what I, I always encourage people to do, I always encourage people to do, ask questions and then explore it. Um, astrology is basically what I consider to be a cosmic clock. You can watch the cycles of the planets. You, they have a very predictable nature and, and how they're going to move. And once you begin to actually watch it and compare what astrological academia says is supposed to happen to what's actually happening in your life, you just notice the correlation. It's really more of um, a practice of observation than belief. And that's one of my favorite things about astrology. It's just about learning the language, really. Brilliant. So we'll be back after a couple of minutes with the word from our sponsors. Thanks very much. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh Keen. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health, 
and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. This week, it's you is for Uranus, and I am with the lovely Scarlett Corvina. And this is the fourth and last segment of the show. So just before the break, we mentioned retrogrades. So let's talk a little bit about retrogrades. Yeah, we talked about retrogrades in context of some possible things you might want to look out for if you were, you know, again, context already discussed disclaimer already discussed but yes if someone has a let's say a a mercury retrograde um mars retrograde um venus retrograde anytime there's a retrograde in the planet it, it, it tends to make the energy of that planet a bit more internalized it's a little it's a little bit difficult for harder for it to be outwardly expressed either it's hard or the person just has no desire to really make it a more outward expression um so with a mercury retrograde mercury rules communication um it it might create some difficulties in the way that you're able to have a more open honest conversation about what your intimacy needs might be um during periods of a Mercury retrograde, well, I mean, I think that just generally impacts us all in the same way in that, and every topic of life in the same way, it would create that same difficulty, you know, um, just confusion and misunderstandings and that kind of thing. But I would pay more attention to the retrogrades that a person might be born with. I think that's a little bit more relevant. Um Unless, of course, Mercury happens to be transiting one of the sex houses at that particular time that it's retrograde. So, you know, all of these things are taken in context. A Mars retrograde, um, the person may not have as easy a time acting on their sexual impulses. Um, And particularly for men, Mars is one of the key planets that represents a, a masculine sexuality. So... You know, a Mars retrograde can often mean that maybe, you know, the passion is somewhat lacking. Um, Maybe there are some um, physical, sexual issues, impotency issues, things like that. Chiron in aspect to any of the love planets. Chiron is considered the wounded healer. Um, 
sometimes, you know, that can be a wound that, uh, and if it's connected to a planet that's traditionally ruled as a sex planet or one of the ones that are associated with intimacy, um, then that means that intimacy or anytime they go to approach sexual dream comes with a feeling of wound. Right. It might make them not want to go there as readily or as easily, or that's an obstacle to have to overcome. You know, they have to heal that first before they can really feel more comfortable having a full sexual expression. Um, Saturn, you know, coming into play, as we talked about, Saturn can bring, you know, seriousness, commitment, and longevity. Those are the wonderful aspects of Saturn. But, and, and what determines often whether or not a planet is going to express its most positive aspects or give you trouble usually comes down to the aspect that it's making. So if it's making a, a, a you know, I know I said that there's always a, a flip side to each thing. But just as a general rule of thumb, the sextiles and the trines, more fluid and easy flowing aspects generally make sexual expression more easy and fluid. Um, if you're getting a harsh aspect from one of the planets that create difficulty, like Saturn, Saturn square Venus, for example, Saturn square your Mars or in opposition, squares in the oppositions, those are the ones that we want to watch out for. I'm not sure how many squares I've got. I know I have lots of conjunctions, which was lots of fun. Um, we are um, only a couple of minutes from um, where we're going to wrap up. So I wanted to ask you um, to tell people where they can find you. If they'd like to consult you, how do they find you? Please come contact me at www.ravensnestcorvina.com. Um, you can definitely find me there and book sessions with me. Um, and I would love to connect with you. It's great. And for those of you who aren't sure of the spelling, Corvina is K-O-R-V-I-N-A. Yes. Um, yes thank, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for being here, Scarlett. If you've got any questions or ideas for the show or ideas for guests, please email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. That's D-R-L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-B-I-S-B-E-Y. Do join me next week for the letter V. This holiday season, if you didn't get what you wanted, why not invest in your relationships and your sexual life? Sign up for my 10-day taster at bit.ly forward slash the number 10 and then day taster. Or purchase one for a lover or someone you hope will become a lover. Make 2020 the year that you manifest your desires for relationships and sex. Create what you want. If you're in the L.A. area, I'm going to be hosting an invite-only secret supper in early February. If this is something that interests you, do email me if you want to be considered for a space. It's going to be limited space, and it's going to be invite-only. And we're going to be talking about my roadmap to get from not necessarily sure of your desires or knowing your desires, but not having them met all the way to through to the relationships uh, of your dreams and the greatest sex of your life. So do let me know if you're interested in that. And I wish you all a brilliant week and a fantastic 2020. And let's make this the most incredible decade for sex and love and relationships that we can. See you all next week.